For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in the second hour here on Tuesday, 508-996-0500. And we have a caller who's been waiting patiently, so let's get right back to the phones. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Hello. Hey, Tim. This is Courtney from Freetown. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Um, I was just calling in today because I heard your segment, um, you know, obviously talking about the tragedy in Tennessee. And you've been talking a lot about the school committees. Um, and, you know, being in Freetown, we recently had that event back in November where um, one of our candidates, who's actually running for school committee, um, breached the schools in an effort to um, draw attention um, to school security or the lack thereof. Um, and now she's kind of using that as a platform for her run. And, um, you know, I just want to say as a mother and a parent, you know, a, a resident in Freetown that, um, you know, we, I don't think a lot of people really agree. Her point is taken that obviously she got into the schools and shouldn't have. Um, but, you know, the way she went about it was completely wrong. And, you know, we could have seen something in Freetown um, similar to this if, you know, let's say that it didn't work out the way it did and the police were called. And just because she wanted to prove a point, police first responders show up at the schools with their guns drawn. You know, how would that look to the students? Right. Um, I just can't, I just can't see using this as a platform and, you know, trying to start a career off this. On the school committee. Yeah, I mean, I, and I understand too. If you, if you feel like it needs to be addressed, and you feel like it's it's something that's important, sure. Like, you know, but you're also a single issue candidate, really. Uh, if that's how right. you're running, because like, and here's the thing: we don't really know what her platform is on anything, except we can infer it based on some posts she shared. But the, I was looking at her at her official, I guess, official campaign page, Kayla Churchill for school committee, and. She shared an article about what went on in Nashville yesterday, and a commenter asked her, well, what are you, what ideas would you put forward to increase school security for our district? And her response was, I'll answer that at the Q&A or after, as I do not want to give my opponents my ideas to be made as their own. Like, don't you know how a campaign works? Like, we want to know what your platform right. is. Right, exactly. And sadly, you know, it seems like it's a lot of rhetoric and not a lot of substance, Um and, you know, I think before the event happened in November, she actually went to a school committee meeting, which, you know, good for her for actually showing up and, you know, going to the meeting. But, um, you know, she expected something to be decided that night. 
and doesn't seem like she's very familiar with Massachusetts open meeting law because it wasn't on the agenda. So they advised her how to get it on the agenda, what to do. And instead of doing that so that there could be a community dialogue and a dialogue with the committee, she just decided to, you know, behave erratic and impulsively and, you know, pull the stunt that she did. I mean, I'm all for people that want to, you know, get involved and, and, and run for office, but you've got to understand what it is that you're doing and, and kind of know what it is that you're running for at the same time. Like, I, you, you should probably have some idea of, of how it all works before you run. I mean, obviously, you're not going to know all the intricacies, but I would expect that if you are going to go and be, you know, a, a viable candidate, you have to be ready to hit the ground running once it comes time to actually serve. Right. Not right. Learning and I don't, fly. you know, I, like you said, I don't think this is serious and I don't think that she is, but she's sucking up a lot of airtime, you know, in the community and on social media because of this. Um, and we do have other candidates who are well qualified, who, you know, have put in the time, have put in the effort, are knowledgeable. Um, and sadly, you know, they're sort of, you know, they've got their heads down and they're working, they're working on budget issues and stuff like that. But um, this other noise is distracting. And, and, and the downside of it is, is that it invites people from outside the community to start coming in and trying to support her perspective because, you know, they want to see more, more of the conservative viewpoint. And so they want to see more of these issues that are being, that she's bringing up there. So she's going to get a lot of people who are going to come in and make noise on her behalf who probably won't even be able to go out there and vote on April 3rd. Right. And, you know, I think last week, she had called um, high school, I believe it was, trying to get information about LGBTQ students. And now those students don't feel safe because they heard about that. They know. They're on social media. They hear things. And, you know, parents are saying their daughter or, you know, their son was concerned. Do I have something to worry about? Because, you know, they're looking for information about me and whether I'm not, you know, whether or not I'm a part of this group. And shouldn't those kids feel safe as well? Um, to be who they are and to be a part of these groups without wondering if someone on the school committee is trying to get information on them and out them. Yeah, and I still don't understand, like, what, what the defense was of that. The defense, which, again, came from her mother because she won't say anything about it, but the defense that came from her mother was that parents had reached out to her asking her to find out if their kids might be in the group without having the parents be alerted to it. Like, I don't I don't get why you would reach out to a candidate for the school committee and have them do that rather than just call the school yourself. Right, right. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. So, yeah, no, um, you know, like I thank you... I was going to say, it just seems okay. to me, you know, looking at it from just a cursory glance that, you know, they're trying exactly what you said. They're trying to find out who is in this group and, and, and find out what this group is all about. But she didn't even know that it was a group. She thought it was a class. She referred to it as a class in the email mm-hmm. that she sent. So, I mean, I'm, the lack of knowledge is, is, is concerning. Right. No, I agree. I agree completely. And I hope that, you know, other people um, are paying attention to this. And, you know, it's not about politics. We can have policy disagreements, but I think, um, you know, we can't have disagreements about stuff like this with LGBTQ, you know, LGBTQ community and those students. Um, and it's not really, I don't even think it's really in the school committee's purview, you know, to have this information. So I don't know why she was seeking it or what she planned to do with it. And, and I think that's one of the questions that's unanswered. So one of, one of the accusations that's been out there is that she's deleting comments from her Facebook page uh, when, when people post negative things about her that she deletes those from her page. But I don't see a lot of comments on her page anyway. My, my question to you is, as somebody who's in that community and, and, and actively paying attention to this, how many people seem like they are on her side? It doesn't seem like there's a lot of support for her. 
No, it doesn't. And I mean, I can personally say that I have been to her page and um, she had a Moms for Liberty post, you know, encouraging people to sign up for alerts for Moms for Liberty. And, um, um, you know, I guess my instincts got the better of me and I laughed at that post and I got blocked. So I can personally speak to the fact that, you know, she is blocking people from her page if they are sort of reacting in a way that she doesn't like. But, you know, as for support in the community, I, I think it's, um, I don't see a lot of it personally. Um, it seems like there's a vocal minority and hopefully, uh, hopefully that's true. That's what it seems like. But again, you know, everybody has to get out to the polls on April 3rd. That's what's important. It doesn't matter what you say on Facebook. It doesn't matter if you have a sign in your yard. You know, signs don't vote. People vote. So people need to pay attention and go out to the polls April 3rd. And I know the candidate's night is tomorrow night. That's correct, yes. And I do know there's a lot of um, interested folks who will be there. Um, This is the only contested race in town, Um, so it's getting a lot of attention. I hope she doesn't think that – I hope she doesn't think it's all about her because, you know, like I said, Jen and Bob, you know, have a lot of experience and a lot of good work, and we'll get to hear more about that tomorrow night. But I do know that there are some concerned parents about – like I said, they're concerned about the actions that she took in November. They're concerned about um, the phone calls that she's made to the schools. So, yeah, there will be a lot of concerned community members there asking questions. All right, absolutely. Well, thank you for the call and uh, and keep us up to date with everything going on uh, over in that way and all and, and all and all aspects, not just this particular race. Yeah, well, thanks, Tim. Have a good day. You as well. And uh, that that race that we're talking about again is for the Freetown Lakeville School Committee. Uh, Kayla Churchill, who you know is the person who got a lot of attention for um, trespassing into the school. Uh, some people on the station, hosts and callers alike, have referred to her as a hero. Uh, I will refer to her as the uh, alleged criminal because you're not supposed to trespass into schools to, to prove your point and, uh, and cause unnecessary alarm. But uh, she is a candidate for the school committee, and there are... As I said, I haven't seen a lot of people, you know, taking a look at the Freetown Facebook groups, which I'm in a lot of town Facebook groups. Uh, as as a person who disseminates information, uh, when I was previously the digital managing editor, you know, part of my job is to share those stories in these community groups that will have me. And, you know, sometimes they don't like it. There are certain groups out there <coughs> who don't like it when you put stories in your you know, from your place of work into their group. And and some of them are real whiny babies about it. Not all of them, but some of them. <coughs> helping Jarvis. Excuse me. Oh, got to get rid of this cough. Um, but then there's also, you know, I've, uh, I've actually had an outright argument with the guy who used to run one of the Wareham groups when I would share Wareham stories from WBSM. And he's like, you're just pushing your, your, your company's work. I'm like, no, I live in town, and I think that people would want to know this information. But anyway, so I'm in a lot of town groups, and especially you know this time of year when, uh, when there's elections, I see a lot of the election-related posts. And maybe some of these groups are just you know favored by certain, certain groups of people, that certain groups tend to go to this group, and, and certain people tend to go to the other group. And you know maybe... Maybe there's more of a conservative mindset in this group and maybe more of a liberal mindset in that group. I don't know all those ins and outs, but I just know that in the Freetown groups that I'm in, two of them don't seem to have any discussion going on. It's more 
Um, and, you know, nothing against them, but it seems like that group is designed more toward, you know, businesses advertising or people asking questions about needing a service or something like that. And this one, this particular one that I've seen a bunch of, uh, of posts in seems to be more engaged in, in conversation than than the others are, which is fine. Everybody everybody can run their groups the, the way that they want to. I actually started a Wareham group um, because I didn't like the way the other guy was writing was running the group and, and trying to block out the news. So I started a group focused just on the news. And now I don't really admin it anymore because I don't really have the time, but somebody else from town took it over and it's doing pretty well. It's got, got a couple thousand people. And, and yeah, we had a couple of issues where, you know, troll, not trolls, but, uh, you know, fake accounts got in putting up, you know, fake links, but we, we cleared that problem out. And we have, you can advertise a business. We can have discussion. It's, it's good for that kind of thing. And, uh, and in those discussions, I'm not really seeing a lot of support for her candidacy outside of her mom and this one other lady and, and a guy who shared a post that was just way too far right. Um, but that post got deleted. I, I don't know why that might have been. 508-996-0500. You're next on WBSM. Hi, you're on the air. No, I don't hear anything. Oh, there you go. Ah, that's uh, that's Hollywood calling. That's every time the phone rings and there's nobody there. That's Hollywood calling for me. Anyway, 508-996-0500. If, uh, if you want to call in and chime in, why don't we take our first break of the hour and uh, we can take more of your thoughts on the other side. You can also hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. If you are not able to call in and you want to text us, that's the way to do it. App Chat on the WBSM app. And, uh, and you can talk about this particular race you can talk about the you know because i'm sure tomorrow night school security is going to be a major topic of discussion at that candidate's night because you have a candidate who is running on that as her as her platform i guess because we don't really know outside of what the few things she's posted on facebook but you've got that and you've got other races dartmouth fairhaven they they have contested school committee races and you're going to see school safety be part of that conversation and and i think you're going to see a lot of uh emotion you're going to see a lot of people who are upset about it but i also i also caution you to use logic and common sense and i'm not trying to belittle the tragedies that have happened but there are not wolves at the door of every single school. You know, I had I heard Barry yesterday mentioning we should put a sniper on the on the roof of every school building and take out anybody that approaches with a weapon. Well, okay, that, but first of all, that's illegal. You can't just shoot somebody just because they have a weapon. Uh, if they look like they're going to be aggressive with it, yes. If they're if they're walking in with it, you know, aimed, getting ready to fire, that's that's a different situation. But. Um, Armed snipers on the roof of every school? That's that's just ridiculous. But I also understand it's it's he's coming from a place of emotion. He's coming from a place of, you know, just trying to come up with a solution. And I think people aren't happy with the solutions that have been offered. Oh, we'll, we'll make sure all the doors are locked. Well, as we find out, the doors aren't always locked. Now, again, in Nashville yesterday at the Covenant School, that was not a matter of a door being open, left open and unlocked. That was the shooter shooting out the glass. And, you know, maybe you could say, all right, well, all, all doors have to be solid steel and not not glass windows in them. Uh, although I know when I was in high school, 
the um, the the outs the doors that we had had the uh, double pane glass with the metal mesh in, in between, which I don't think was to protect anybody because this was before this was pre Columbine. I think it was more because kids are going to smash that stupidly with you know accidentally. So uh, you know if you if there's a way you can have a window but have it be a little bit more secured probably but. You know, insulating those outside doors is 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 one way to do it. I would probably rather you know solidify the locked door system before I would want to put snipers on the roof. You 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 think that kids want to go to school knowing there's somebody armed on top of the building? I don't think that's going to make kids feel better. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. We'll take a break and be right back. a little uh, tender years from John Cafferty and Beaver Brown. So you got to hear some Michael tunes and tunes right there at the beginning there. Some of the awesome sax in that song. Uh, so we were talking before about some of the um, some of the school committee candidates that are out there running. And I, I don't know how many are running on the same platform as uh, as Kayla Churchill is in, in, uh, in Freetown of, you know, pushing for more school safety. I guess, because that's what she's posted about, but she hasn't really put out her platform. And, you know, sharing a lot of the, like the posts from the Moms of Liberty and posts about teaching kids the Constitution, which I, I kind of did a cursory examination of that on my own. And uh, and I asked some friends of mine who were teachers and they said, uh, well, we never stopped teaching the Constitution. So I don't know why that's an issue, except unless they they don't like the way that we're teaching the Constitution, which is what it's really about. It's not about things not being taught in school. It's about not liking the way that they're being taught. The um, the boogeyman of critical race theory that people think is, is uh, you know, lurking around every corner. That kids are being taught white people are bad. White people did bad things. And first of all, like it's it's not it's not. Being, there's no critical race theory doctrine being taught in schools. That is a legal doctrine. But if you are saying, oh, we are teaching kids to look at history and to say there's more to the story than what the, the black and white explanation is uh, in the textbook, then yeah, that's a good thing. When I was in high school, I took uh, AP history for two semesters. I took it my junior year, which is when most people took it. And I loved it. I did really well. When I took the AP test, I got a high score. I don't remember. I think it was a four. So I got a score that would allow me to skip history in college my freshman year if I wanted to because that's what the AP test does. It allows you to skip a college course if you get, I think it's a three or higher. Um, now, that, there was no way that was going to happen. There was no way I was going to skip history. I was salivating at the prospect of taking history courses in college and, and, and what I could take. And I took a lot of great ones. But I, I was just very interested in the topic. So uh, even though I passed the course, I wanted to take it again my senior year 
but there was no second level of AP history. So we worked with the AP history teacher, Jeff Hathaway, and we worked with him to develop an independent study version of senior AP history. And there were no textbooks for it, but we would meet and we would discuss things and we would talk about the, the deeper impact of it. And uh, Mr. Hathaway had a degree in psychohistory in the thought process and the beliefs behind why history happens. Not just the dates, the facts, the figures, not just, uh, you, you know, being able to, to, to create a diorama of what it looked like at uh, Lexington and Concord. No, it was it was about all of the psychological things that went into it, all the sociological things that went into it. And it was it was fascinating to learn about history from that perspective, to be able to step out of what it, what it was all about, uh, you know, for the for the five W's, you know, the who, what, when, where, and why of what went on, and and really dive more into that to that why, and to to dive into what was what was the political climate like, what was the societal climate like, and you start to realize, okay, there's more to the story than just, you know, the Pilgrims wanted religious freedom, like what does that mean? Well, we learned what that meant. We learned what it meant for them to have to go and and subjugate themselves to the Church of England and their beliefs. And we learned what it was like to be able to, you know, how they would practice and the way that they had to practice uh, at times in secrecy. Like we learned about all those things that you just didn't get out of the regular history book. And as part of that discussion, you were going to talk about, if you're going to talk about slavery and if you're going to talk about you know, say World War II internment camps, if you're going to be talking about all the ways that we have treated uh, non-Americans or or people who weren't like the rest of us, the Native Americans, uh, the black slaves, all of these things, like there's, there's going to have to be a degree of what those people's mindsets were at that time. And you have to understand why they got to those mindsets. Like, what made it okay for a human being to think that it was okay to whip another human being and treat them as if they were property and not a human being? Like, there's a lesson to be learned in that. There's a lesson to be learned about why that was fostered. And, and otherwise, if you just look at it as as facts and, and figures and dates on a page, it doesn't make sense. You would say, how how could somebody do that? Well, I don't know. It was just different back then. Well, this allows you to understand why it was different back then and allows you to understand why that mindset was wrong. I think most people would agree that that mindset is wrong. They're not trying to say that, you know, that t t today you have to think the same way as 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 people did then. You know, you know the, the same way they're not saying, I think I screwed that up. They're not saying that people back then were all bad. The same way they're not saying that people today should think that way. If that makes sense. I might be losing myself in the weeds here. But the bottom line is it's teaching you to look at what went on and, and understand what was wrong about it. It doesn't mean that it's teaching you that white people are inherently wrong. It's teaching you that the white people at the time were wrong in their belief and their mindset and that those mindsets have hopefully changed over time. And it's okay to admit that sometimes we were jerks. Sometimes 
we were the a-holes. Sometimes we were the ones that were doing things that were bad. And and before you start going down the path of accusing me of being, you know, Mr. Super Woke Liberal, I, also, I mean, I also don't think I need to go walk, walk up to somebody and apologize for, I'm sorry for what my ancestors did to your ancestors. Like, I don't think we need to go that far. But I think we need to acknowledge what happened in the proper context of how it happened. You can't tell the story of what a great man Abraham Lincoln was for freeing the slaves if you can't also tell the story of how horrible the people were that enslaved them. But anyway, that's just that's just that aspect of things. That's just a- that aspect of what school committees are facing. You know, we saw the issue, the incident in uh, in Old Rochester, the the issue, I should say, um, the ongoing issue of the books that were in the library. Now, if you missed the the news, the the Standard Times reported it last week, and if you missed me talking about it yesterday, those books that people felt were controversial and should be pulled from the library, the school committee voted on that. They voted on whether or not the book should be pulled from the library, and they determined they should stay, and that will mean that they will stay for three years before it can be brought up again. Which I thought was going to be the case anyway. In trying to have conversations with members of that school committee as everything was going on, and you know that we have the students on, you've heard uh, Joe Pyers from the school committee on with, with Phil and with Barry, and like I was saying even then, like at some point, they just have to resolve this matter. Somebody has to just bring it up to say, should these books be pulled? And, and then they have to vote on it. And it was a school committee member who actually brought it up and came forward, not because he thought that they should be pulled, but because he thought that the, the, the issue should be settled. And so they voted on it. And so now those books will stay in the library for at least three years. But there are other libraries around the, the area that are, have the same books that are causing parents to question whether they should be there. So that's just another issue. There is this just ridiculous notion that there's some kind of indoctrination going on in schools where where teachers are teaching kids to be trans and teaching kids to to have different pronouns and all of that. And I mean, listen, I, I think a teacher will tell you they have enough time, a hard enough time just getting kids to learn pronouns, let alone teach them what pronoun that they should be using based on what the teacher thinks. I mean, you really have a twisted sense of who teachers are when you say that kind of stuff. Like these teachers who, by the way, are your friends and neighbors, people who live in your town, people that you might have gone to school with yourself – you're painting them as these brainwashing, controlling people. Well, okay. Well, first of all, they, I don't think they make enough money to warrant spending extra time figuring out how to brainwash your kids in addition to getting them to pass the MCAST. The MCAST is like number is, is like job number one for the teachers. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, fitting your kid into the mold of what they think society should be with this twisted uh, evil agenda that you think that they have is probably pretty low on the list. It pretty much goes through, you know, it, go, it pretty much goes from teach them the MCAST, uh, don't let them get into fights in school because kids are, do dumb things, uh, don't say anything dumb yourself, 
because you, sometimes you forget you're in front of a group full of kids. Uh, make sure that uh, they get their homework done. You know, these, these things are probably all way above indoctrinate your children and push the evil trans agenda. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you're vilifying people that don't deserve vilification. It doesn't make any sense. It, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. But you still will buy into that boogeyman. Maybe, maybe what it is, is kids are starting to stick up for themselves in the way that they want to identify themselves. And the teachers say to themselves, well, we're not going to get in the way of this. We're not going to get in the way of this because it's, it's, for, it's not going to work out well for us if we try to. So maybe it's more that the kids are the ones that are putting this forward because, oh, you know, they just want to actually be who they are and not have to conform to something because some parents think that it's, it's wrong for them to be the way that they are. You are seeing, and there, there is a shift in just how much crap people are willing to eat. And I think part of that is because we've been through so much in the last few years, and these kids who are growing up now and are high schoolers now have said, we've seen a lot of that crap in the world that people have had to eat, and we're not going to do that when we're adults. I mean, my generation... Gen X, we kind of looked at it more from the perspective of, oh, what are we going to do about it? There's nothing we can do. And we kind of just became aloof about it and said, you know, we'll just complain about it. But it is what it is. Like that was the Gen X approach for the most part. But we also had a lot of great initiatives that, that made people become more actively involved than younger people were. I mean, look at Bill Clinton getting elected. Bill Clinton got elected because more young people turned out to vote than ever before. And who can you thank for that? Well, MTV played a big part in that. MTV's Rock the Vote, they really pushed on young people to get out there and, and be involved. It's because of that that I was paying attention to politics, you know, in eighth grade. So it's not, it's not, the, the only agenda here is coming from the kids who just want to be able to be who they are. And settle that issue so they can actually focus on the important things about why they go to school. I mean, everybody was quick to point out when, when it was announced that the, the suspect in the Nashville shooting was transgender. Everybody was like, well, there you go. It's mental illness because the person is trans, so it's mental illness. Maybe the mental illness didn't come from the fact that the person was trans, but the fact that they apparently went to this school and somehow felt like this school with its religious teachings didn't allow them to be who it was that they wanted to be or who they were. And instead, they, they, they felt anger and resentment toward it. Again, I don't know. They found the manifesto, they said, but they haven't revealed all that was going on there. But that seems more likely to me than just trans people all over the country are snapping and going and shooting up schools. No, that's not believable to me. What is believable to me is a particular trans person had a particular issue with a particular school and snapped. 
you don't, it's not a coincidence that this person went back to a school that they apparently alleged, seem to have attended. Again, I haven't seen that definitely verified. The Uvalde shooter going back to the school that he attended. Like, this is because they have something that makes them resent that particular place. There are a lot of trans people out there. The rest of them are not snapping and, and shooting up schools. So, and, and I saw a great video online yesterday. Actually, uh, Marcus shared it with me. So thank you, Marcus, for sharing that to me. Of somebody who actually extrapolated the data of who's been behind school shootings and realized that trans people are a very small percentage of it and that it's predominantly cisgendered white men who are behind these. Anyway, 508-996-0500. Got to take a break. Back in a few. Or you can hit us up on app chat on the WBSM app like Al and Somerset did. Al said, besides having police present, how about bulletproof glass in schools? That's something that I think is, um, I think it's possible, right? Can I think you can have bulletproof windows that still open. I think you can have bulletproof win- you know, glass and doors for sure. I don't know what the cost factor is of that versus um, regular glass, but I think if you are building a new school building and you present that to parents, I think parents might be overwhelmingly in support of, of spending that extra money. I think they might say, yeah, that's, that's, that's a pretty good investment. But also, uh, does, that, does that hurt chances of if somebody does get into the building of them taking them out from outside too? I don't know. But it's certainly uh, it's certainly one potential solution. And that's the thing. There's not going to be one definite solution that solves the problem either. It's going to take a, a variety of things. But also, and again, and I, I sound callous when I say this, especially in the wake of a tragedy like what happened yesterday. But it's it's not as big of a thing as people are making it out to be. Yes, there's been a lot. But there's hundreds of thousands of schools across this country. So it's still a very unlikely scenario that your child will be in that situation. It's there's there's other dangers that are out there toward your child that have a greater risk of happening. And people aren't having the same visceral emotional reaction to that. And I and I heard somebody call Barry yesterday and say you know, it's 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 not about the guns. It's about the doors being open to the school. It's, it's about the guns, too. It definitely is. Now, from what I've seen, this this per, the the, uh, the suspect in Nashville, they believe had purchased the guns, which, by the way, they found more at the at the home, but they had been purchased legally. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. 
I want to bring up something too, and I'll, I'll probably talk about this a little bit in the next hour as well, but I've been meaning to bring this to your attention and, and I just forgot. Like I put it on the desktop of my computer to remember to bring it up. And of course, like an idiot, I just kept forgetting to bring it up. But, you know, we had Lisa White on uh, the program a couple of weeks ago. The new Bed- She's a New Bedford landlord. And we had her on to talk about the landlord's perspective on the housing crisis. And, and she actually put out a chart that she had created based on she owns multiple properties in the city. She lives in the city herself uh, with her family, but she also owns multiple properties that are multi-unit homes. So this is a graph based on what she put together from her data collected from 3,168 rental applications for her New Bedford units from quarter four of 2022 through quarter one of 2023. So just over the last, you know, six months. And this, that's a lot of applications, 3,168 applications for the number of advertised available rentals that she's had, 38. She's had 38 units and she's had over 3,000 applicants for them. Now, she says the number of households currently in need are 1,066 based on the numbers that have applied to her. So that 3,000 is, you know, them applying to multiple units. But so she says there's 1,066 families who have reached out to her to try to get into her 38 available rentals. Out of that, 33% or one in three households has a pet or an animal, but only one in 10 rentals actually allows for pets. She says the average monthly household income of somebody applying to her for her rental units, $4,038. That's the average income. The average income needed to qualify for one of her units or for the average New Bedford unit, $5,040. So people are making $1,000 less than what they need to qualify to get those those units. And she said out of this, the top employers that she's seen from people who have applied, number one is New Bedford Public Schools. So these are people who work for the school system looking for homes, looking for places to live. Number two, Dunkin' Donuts. Number three, Blount Fine Foods. Number four, Amazon. And number five, Lifestream. So these are people who have jobs. These are not people who are looking for handouts. These are not people looking for Section 8 properties. These are people, working people, who are looking for a home to rent in New Bedford, but yet are making $1,000 less on average per month than they actually need to be able to afford the rents in these in these locations. And that's, listen, she has her rents, of, you know, affordable for people. You can look at her website, New Bedford Housing, and she starts one bedrooms at 700 bucks a month. She starts two bedrooms at 850. Now, obviously, you know, there, there's going to be some, some different prices depending on which building you're in and, and what amenities are offered. If there's off street parking, if there's parking spaces, all these different factors that come into it, but she's starting her rents at $700 at 850 for a two bedroom. You know, you're seeing people advertising 850, uh, advertising two bedrooms for, you know, 14, 1500. But it just shows based on the numbers that people need help. And I'm not saying that that help has to be rent stabilization, but something has to be done to help these people to be able to find homes and stay in them.
508-996-0500. Going to take my final break of the hour. We'll be back in a few moments. All right. Welcome back in. You know, a day like today is a reminder uh, that even though winter is over, if you have leaky windows, you're going to be sorry if you don't get them replaced. Not only because you're going to get colder air that's going to be leaking in on a day like today, but because think about later on in the summer when it's swelteringly hot and you have your air conditioning in and you're trying to make sure that you've got all that cold air staying in your home and instead it's leaking out your old and leaky windows. See, it's not just about keeping the cold out. It's also about keeping the cool in. And that's why now is the time to want to call Precision Window and Kitchen because if you feel a chill near any of your windows this winter or if you're worried about feeling a chill outside the window this summer, they can replace your window. They don't have to do all of your windows in your home. They certainly can. If you want a full replacement of all your windows, they can do that. But even if there's just one window that's a problem, they will come and replace that one window. Even if it's just one pane of glass, that's the problem. They will come and they will replace that as well. They can also fix all of your busted up screens so that they can be nice and ready to go to keep your windows open to let all that nice spring air in and keep the bugs out. And, of course, they can also do full kitchen and bath remodels if that's what you're looking for as well. And if you're having issues with your roof, they can replace a, fl- a fading roof as well. So visit PrecisionWindowAndKitchen.com now to get a free quote. That's PrecisionWindowAndKitchen.com. They've been in business for over 35 years. Make sure your home is ready. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.